Hi, and welcome to The Horn, a podcast from International Crisis Group. I'm Alan Boswell. Today we're speaking with Adam Kase Abeba. Adam is an Ethiopian constitutional scholar and political analyst. The Tigray conflict is just the latest major bump in the road on Ethiopia's transition to the rule of Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed. Today, Adam speaks with us about the broader political crisis in Ethiopia and where the country goes from here. Adam, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Now, we want to discuss some bigger political questions facing Ethiopia now that its political transition you know, has spilled definitively into conflict. But first, we're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, the federal government has now taken control of Mekele. Uh, what direction does it look like the conflict is taking now? So the conventional war has essentially technically ended now. So if the conflict continues, uh, then it will be in, in the form of an insurgency. So we have to see whether the uh, TPLF essentially will go back to its roots and try and seek and mount a, a, rebell- a rebellion group, an insurgent group. So it really depends on, on, on the decision of the TPLF. Uh, obviously, the context of uh, the time when they were a rebel group has changed, uh, especially because they have uh, Eritrea and Sudan that are less uh, cooperative or less supportive of their causes. Um, but I do, not, I do not think that they will go uh, down very easily either. So there is going to be very likely to be some kind of insurgency at least in the short term. So Tigray, of course, is, you know, is the big conflict at the moment everyone is paying attention to, but that is also somewhat overshadowing other conflicts uh, that have been going on in Ethiopia uh, for a while. We've had millions displaced since Abi came to power. Can you describe briefly the other sort of fault lines and, and conflicts that are that are facing Ethiopia internally? Yes. So uh, the, the federal government has essentially been trying to paint uh, all the violence that has been occurring around the country as the works of the TPLF. But re- regardless, uh, there, there is indeed a, a violence. And, and in fact, yesterday, uh, Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed indicated that there were at least 113 incidents of inter-ethnic violence across the country. In every, every border between the various regions in the country can be a flashpoint between Amhara and Oromia, between Amhara and Tigray, uh, between Afar and Somalia, between Somalia region and Oromia. So it's essentially every boundary because of the ethnic nature of, of the, the, uh, the, the ethnic basis of the boundaries of, uh, of the federation, uh, there is contestations. Um, and as I said, um, those are not going to go away, but the federal government thinks that the contestations have morphed into a security problem because the, the TPLF was trying to create essentially an ungovernable situation to put pressure on the national government to get some concessions. Would it be right to say that there's sort of two kinds of conflict going on right now? You have conflicts between different ethnic regions, and then you also have conflict between the federal government and some of these insurgent forces, the main one being Tigray, but also in Oromia, and I imagine elsewhere. Well, you, you, yes, you can say that. Um, so the, the boundary disputes be, between the various religions uh, are a fault line. They have always been there. Uh, what that what the federal government accuses the TPLF of, of doing is helping that fault line to morph into a security challenge, right? So not for necessarily creating the boundary disputes between between the various countries, but also but basically taking advantage of that. Um, but indeed, also as you said, there is a, the conflict between the federal government as an entity uh, and and the TPLF as well. So uh, indeed, there is there is a various aspects to the to the conflict across the country now. 
we covered the conflict in Tigre uh, in, a, in a recent podcast fairly in depth in terms of the, the fundamentals there. Um, I wanted with you to have you help me paint a picture of the overall political crisis Ethiopia is now facing. Going back to the protests, Abi rode into power. We often talk about it as a transition. Uh, sometimes, you know, we talk about it as a change in regime, I think is how many international interlocutors look at it. But, you know, I think from our perspective, it looks like something much bigger, which is, you know, the breakdown of one political settlement in Ethiopia and and now this search for a new one. Uh, I'm wondering if you can help explain what was that previous political settlement um, and then how did it start to break down? If, if you look at, if you look back into um, the origins of the, the current political uh, political arrangement, it arose in a context where um, ethnic ethnically organized armed forces were in the ascendance in the early 1990s. So the the, the constitutional framework, the political framework, took uh, it developed from that uh, ethnic basis of 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 the the, the the security situation at the time, and because of that, ethnicity is seen as the basis of of the political political organization. Um, so the regions are organized along ethnic lines. Parties are effectively organized along ethnic lines, and even the ruling, the former ruling um, Ethiopian People's Revolutionary Democratic Party (EPRDF) was itself a coalition of ethnic parties. Now, you know, it's it's very difficult to say that there was in fact a political settlement, uh, in the sense that it was negotiated, that it involved other actors. Um, for me, I think uh, it was a settlement that never really morphed into an actual settlement. So the, the attempt was to create it as a political settlement, but it, it never really, um, it, it never really became hegemonic, at least at least in 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 the Ethiopian context. So what happened um, was um, in the, in the early 2015, and especially after the elections in 2015, movements started in Oromia uh, initially because of the. Uh, uh, because of opposition to the, a planned expansion, or that's how it was seen, of Addis Ababa city towards uh, Oromia, Oromia region. Um, and that popular movement was, then started to gain support from what could be called at the time reformists within the ruling coalition. Um, and then ultimately that combination of popular support and organized resistance, particularly from the uh, Oromia and Amhara branch of the, the then ruling party, um, then propelled Abi Ahmed into into the ascendance. Now, as I say, the the, the political settlement really were, did not achieve, I think, hege- hegemony. So it was seen as the the the, the principal uh, line of organization. It was the basis of the constitutional framework, but I don't think it actually achieved the hegemony that it sought to achieve. Um, and, and that's why it, the government at the time actively persecuted um, what are what may be considered as pan-Ethiopian political forces. Um, so, so in my opinion, I think um, the, the, the failure to actually establish the political settlement as a hegemonic one uh, was partly the reason uh, that, that led to the, the, the revolution. And since Abiy Ahmed came into power, um, that n- clash of narratives between the, um, between the ethno-nationalist forces and the pan-Ethiopian forces has re-emerged and it also has gotten the political space to express itself. Um, and, and I think, you know, what we see uh, Abi, Prime, Man, Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed governments doing is, is essentially like a pendulum moving from one to the other, uh, trying to find an equilibrium uh, bet- between the two. And of course, that movement is, is ultimately part of the reason for, for the conflict uh, with, with, with the TPLF. There were two main critiques of the old system as, as I hear it. 
one from the sort of ethno-nationalist opposition parties that the previous regime, uh, you know, instituted this ethnic federalist constitution, but then in practice actually centralized power in the TPLF. Um, and then there's, you know, then there was another critique against ethnic federalism altogether, thinking that it was, you know, disuniting rather than uniting Ethiopia. Abi rode uh, to power on on both of these agendas, and then after he came to power, he pivoted to the to the second one. Would that would that be a way of sort of helping you know sort of simplify some of the some of the challenges that he's faced uh, since taking power? Yeah, you, you, I think you're right to to say that Abi um, Abi's right, especially the popular protests. Uh, part of the reason they succeeded uh, was was exactly because the pan-Ethiopian and ethno-nationalist forces could focus their, their energy on resisting the TPLF. So the reasons why the, the Oromo, um, Oromo groups were protesting were not exactly the same as why the Amhara groups were protesting, for instance. So there, there was a sense of unity of the opposition, if you will, uh, that led to the defeat of the TPLF. But once, uh, they said, I think there was really the lack of that political settlement, even if uh, ethno-nationalism was seen as as the basis of the constitutional and political framework of the governing party. In reality, there was really no settlement. There was no negotiated settlement. So the divisions continued. Uh, and Abi rode on, on Abi and, and Lama, Tim Lama rode on that uh, on that alliance essentially between uh, the ethno-nationalists and pan-Ethiopians. Uh, but once um, Abi came to power, there was an opening for both of these forces and ideologies. Um, to be openly advocated for. Um, and, and you're right, he has been criticized um, for leaning more towards pan-Ethiopianism rather than uh, of, 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 of the ethnic-based politics. But what he sees himself as is a centrist. Um, so, for instance, he has not publicly said, and we, we, you know, he has been criticized as a unitarian um, force, uh, but he has, he has publicly said that he supports the current system um, in, the, in the constitutional framework, but what he does not support is, is that ethnicity, at least in terms of our rhetoric and political organization, uh, need not be the, the basis, uh, the basis of, uh, of, 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 of that. So you can have the ethnic-based constitutional arrangement, um, but we can do a lot more outside of it. But at the same time, he's also more open to changing it. If, if he thinks, um, if there is popular, enough popular support for it, uh, then, then we should not be stuck with it. So he's more open to its change. Even if he does not advocate for its change, I mean, the constitutional framework, he is more open to it. So I wouldn't call him, I think it's, you know, obviously it's it's easier for the opposition to um, label him as unitarian um, and, and, you know, anti-ethnic and all of that. But in reality, uh, he is really, at least in his public discourse, he says he wants to maintain what is currently working uh, but he also thinks that the way we have used it, particularly in the extra-constitutional public discourse, has been divisive. And, and that, that needs to be tackled. And, and that's why I think part of the reason for the political party transition from a coalition to um, uh, a, a self-standing party reflects, uh, reflects that thinking. So what is Abi's vision for Ethiopia, as you would explain it? It, it might be easier to, to say what he says. So he says that Ethiopia's future is, is multi-ethnic and democratic. So these are what he thinks Ethiopia must become. And he also th these are also what he thinks Ethiopia can only become. There's, there's no other way, according to him. It, it would be a, an overstatement to say that he wants to get rid of 
the ethnic-based federal system. Um, but it will also be an, uh, an, an exaggeration to say that um, uh, he, he is, he is, he is pan-Ethiopian, uh, you know, at least in his rhetoric. And also, if you look at the, the party policy of Pro Prosperity Party, um, he really wants to, to be the middle ground, Use, you know, make sure that we maintain and strengthen um, the recognition, the achievements, particularly in terms of um, ethnic pride and, and, and a, a cultural recognition of the various ethnic groups. But at the same time, he says we can only move as a country. Um, so he, he wants to play the, 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 middle, the middle ground. Uh, but obviously, that's not how uh, some of the opposition see him, um, especially um, the ethno-nationalists particularly see him as more leaning uh, towards pan-Ethiopian forces rather than uh, to, to ethno-nationalism. Um, and I think if he can deliver on the democracy aspect of uh, his promise, I think the policy issues regarding the kind of political settlement that we want to have can be decided through the democratic process. But I think that the fear, obviously, is that uh, he's not committed, but at least not to the democratic part of uh, his, his, his vision. He might, be, he might indeed believe in multi-ethnic um, multi federation and multi-ethnic dispensation, but maybe he's not as committed to the democratic aspect. I think that's the fear uh, among the ethno-nationalist forces. So is this a question then partly of, you know, where we end up in terms of what this middle ground is um, in Ethiopia, but but even more so now a question of how do we get from where Ethiopia is at to that new dispensation? You know, whether or not that's a process that is very centralized and sort of decreed from above, uh, from Addis Ababa, or whether or not it's a... You know, it's a negotiated process, a consensual process among the different political blocs. Is that is that kind of now the main sort of point of contestation? Yes, I think that that is one. Um, especially, particularly, ethno-nationalist forces want more autonomy for the states. Um, and as you said, they think that what currently exists can do its job, um, but that we have to democratize the politics so that not everything comes from Addis Ababa. So they, they want the current framework, but without the centralizing elements of, uh, of the PRDF coalition. And now what they are afraid of is that at the moment, um, you, you have a party at the national level, which is less ethnic um, and, and which can potentially actually be even more centralized. Um, so so the, indeed, I think that, that, that's exactly where the, the, the challenge lies, uh, creating a, a system where you have uh, regional states that are autonomous enough uh, but at the same time, uh, they, they are also responsible. They, they are also coordinating with, with, with the national government. So, so and, and Abiy and, and some of his, his, his supporters within the Prosperity Party think the only way for the country to be divided but still be united is by having a, a party, a unified party uh, that still leaves uh, states to be autonomous but also provides a link among all the, the various uh, the various states. So, but, so your point about the fact that the challenge, the contestation is how centralized the governance framework can be, but also how democratic uh, the, the governance framework can be are, are, are the central contestations at this stage. What would a negotiated process look like? Um, at the moment, you know, the, the conflict with TPLF has, has, has slid into, you know, a, a, a military solution instead of political dialogue. What, what do you think a, a process that leads to a negotiated settlement in terms, of, in terms of all these different groups within Ethiopia, what would, what would that look like? 
the TPLF was the you know the primary proponent of an extremely ethnic based political system, and and that ideology has support beyond the TPLF. It has support among Oromos. It has support among Somalis. I think it has support across the country. So, so that ideology is there. So even if the TPLF is gone, uh, there has to be an engagement between the principally the two forces, the, the pan-Ethiopian forces that see the ethnic-based federalism particularly um, as, uh, as a curse, as, as very divisive, uh, and, and those that see it as the only way for a country to stay together. So, so there has to be a negotiation between the two forces and, and you know, um, the the govern the governing party is just one of the actors that tries to be the provide the middle ground, right? Uh, but there are, there are still groups within the right and left of that that particular group. So we need to bring all the actors and sit together and agree, you know, whether we can arrive at a at an acceptable balance between autonomy of the ethnic regions, um, but also a, a unified sense of Ethi- Ethiopian identity. So. So the TPLF may have been gone, but the ideological divisions, the fault lines remain. So th- so there's no choice but to, to negotiate. At the moment, does it look like, you know, Prime Minister Abiy will be open to a negotiated settlement? Um, obviously, the trend has been going the other way, both in terms of the Tigray conflict, but also in terms of uh, arresting and imprisoning uh, other political uh, opposition leaders. Does a negotiated settlement look likely at this point, or does it look like we're sort of heading into a more coercive state-building attempt? Unfortunately, um, at this stage, as as you say, you know the TPLF is gone, uh, and and the government does not seem to be willing to engage them anymore. Um, And also, the other prominent ethno-nationalist forces leaders, or at least part of that that leadership, is also in jail. So, if Abiy Ahmed wants to really lead a negotiated settlement. Uh, that necessarily means that he would have to engage the parties, uh, including the Oromo Federalist, Federalist Congress, but also the leadership that are that are in prison. Um, so, so they they would have to, you know, release them if if need be, and engage them and and agree uh, to to a, to a political arrangement that is acceptable for, for everyone. Essentially, as I said, creating that equilibrium uh, between ethnic autonomy. But also, uh, but also of, of, of a sense of a sense of togetherness, and that would necessarily require uh, dealing with actors that are currently currently in jail. Um, I think if it, that doesn't happen, um, then for you know in the short term, the uh, sense of victory um, might uh, might create um, you know like we we can do this alone uh, sense of uh, sense of mentality or a, a form of mentality, uh, but it will not solve the country's problems. Um, and unless this is given, ethno-nationalism is given an institutional expression uh, through the maintenance of the current framework or, or, or uh, some, some form of adjustment, uh, we, can, we can see that it will remain uh, a challenge to, to governance in Addis Ababa. And so if, if that process doesn't take place, a sort of, you know, what, what we've called for for Crisis Group, a, a national dialogue process involving all these different actors and negotiating a path forward. If that doesn't happen, what do you think the path forward looks like, even looking beyond the, the, the Tigray conflict? I think without a negotiation, um, the, the most likely trajectory is, is that uh, there will be a, a form of authoritarianism, essentially what, what we have seen, because um, the uh, ethno-nationalist forces think that without a, a form of some kind of settlement, they have no chance in, in an election because they, they think elections... Uh, you know, despite the efforts of the National uh, Electoral Board and other actors, 
elections will be won by hook or by crook by by the by the ruling party um so they are unlikely to also recognize the outcome of that election um so so without i think uh, this is very important without some kind of settlement whether it's before the elections uh, or some kind of guarantee that it will occur after the elections uh, we can't expect a push and pull and, and and i think that 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 probably will end up leading to a more authoritarian rather than a more democratic dispensation in the country is it clear at the moment what base there is in the in ethiopia for a sort of pan ethiopian direction of course you know, one of the things that's been said is, is you know, when, when Abiy transitions from a from a country based where all the political parties are based on ethnic lines, and then you transition that to pan-Ethiopian, you, you risk sort of being a, a man without a party, so to speak. Would he have majority support, does it look like, in an actual election? I mean, that, that's very difficult to tell because there's, there has not, not been any reliable polls um, in terms of what people want. And obviously, you know, about only about twenty percent of the population lives in 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 uh, in urban areas. So it's very difficult to uh, to have an accurate prediction of uh, what what could happen. What I can say is is that um, during the TPLF reign, pan-Ethiopian forces were es- essentially decimated. So there was a the sense of hegemony, but it, that was that was not real. And I think what Abiy Ahmed's rise to power has shown is that there is a significant support. It's very difficult to put a number on it. But there's a significant support for a kind of politics that's not solely ethnic, right? So I don't think that anybody rejects the idea of autonomy of um, ethnic groups, of cultural, uh, educational, and other autonomy. But what, what a lot of people consider pan-Ethiopian, essentially, is, is a system that does not create a form of a homeland for each ethnic group that they can use then to exclude others, Right. So for that kind of politics, there is a there is a wide 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 support. I think again, difficult to put numbers, but there is wide support. Um, and if we you know if you look at the the different regions, um, p- perhaps I think it will face a hard you know a pan Ethiopian uh, kind of pan Ethiopian politics that Abiy represents will face a mo- quite a significant challenge. For instance, in Oromia, than say in Addis Ababa or in the Amhara region, um, uh, but also in you know or or also more in, in Tigray region. Uh, than say in the southern in in parts of the southern region. So um, there are pockets of 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 resistance, let's say, uh, for for this pan pan Ethiopian politics. But it's something that that during the TPLF regime was seen as um, very you know had very little support. Uh, but since Abiy's rise has shown that there is significant support. So. Uh, the only way we can tell, really, is if there is a, a slight, you know, a slightly better level playing field for for the upcoming elections, and that w- that will then tell us uh, whether you know what kind of support that Abi Abi has. Now, if this keeps heading in the direction of sort of authoritarianism, uh, not the sort of negotiated path, do you think the Yugoslavia scenario is overblown? In in that case, you you hear it mentioned a lot. You know, Yugoslavia split into many different countries. Ethiopia is a very old state tradition. Um, do, do you think that analogy is sometimes overblown? I, I definitely think it's overblown. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, there are some horrible scenarios short of disintegration, right? Widespread inter-ethnic violence, um, conflict, killings, displacement. All of that is a possibility. Uh, but I think a, Yugoslav, uh, a Yugoslavia-like um, breakdown for me is, is quite, quite, quite unli- unlikely. Um, I think, you know, uh, almost all groups, uh, there, is, there are very few secessionist forces, really, uh, in, in Ethiopia at the moment. 
And even the TPLF, which is seen, you know, at least in the last uh, in the last few months, seen as secessionist, um, it's it's not clear if it can actually get the popular support to pursue that. So I don't think there there is a that there is a chance of a Yugoslavia like you know uh, dismemberment of of the state. Um, but I think what what is what could happen, and it, I think it's unlikely. Um, especially if Abi uh, lead, you know, Abi tries to engage with with the opposition, uh, perhaps also even those who, who are who are in jail, um, the chances of even widespread violence uh, can can be lower. So, so I think I'm I'm you know I am optimistic on condition that there is a, a negotiated settlement. And as I said, there's widespread support. Even the TPLF wanted a renegotiation of the constitutional settlement uh, before the war started. So the same among Oromo, the Oromia opposition, and the same among Pan-Ethiopian, what are called Pan-Ethiopian forces. You know, everybody wants to pull the the political settlement in their own direction, but there's a uniform demand for a new political settlement, a new accepted political settlement. Um, and and I think if that occurs to a, a satisfactory level, uh, even widespread violence is is I think unlikely. I do not think it's a very remote, if at all, a possibility that Ethiopia will, will break down. And, and and sketch out for us a path that you would like to see Abi take on the way towards elections and, and leading to to a less violent transition. Um, well, so at the moment, the plan, and this is uh, this is what the government wants, so the, or at least it's what's apparent is that now the TPLF has been defeated, so preparations for the elections will occur and there will be elections. So that, that seems to be the plan. And then, uh, according to the government, the elections would lead to some kind of legitimacy among the political forces, uh, whether you win or lose uh, in, in, in the elections. And then that all those forces that gain some kind of legitimacy can then negotiate. So the, the settlement will occur after the elections. Um, but I think some of the fundamental issues uh, would have to be agreed before the elections. So the elections should be a fundamental part of it. Uh, but some of the key issues, including, for instance, um, how that that negotiation, uh, what kind of body, for instance, will be the will will be the platform to negotiate these issues? Uh, how would decisions be taken? Uh, what will happen to the decisions that that body takes? How you know is there a guarantee for their implementation? So there's a there's a lot that should be done before the elections uh, happen. And once there's agreement on the basics, um, including, you know, we'll have to change the way we run our bureaucracy. It's, you know, there's the state, the, the party that's governing uh, the national government, or whether at the regional level, is, is the state. So we have to create that, that separation and autonomy for the bureaucracy, make sure there's an independent uh, judiciary, independent prosecution, and also make sure that the intelligence and, and other sectors... Uh, including the security sector broadly, serve the national interest rather than the interest of a single party. So I think if there is, um, you know, maybe it's difficult to agree on all these issues uh, before the elections. And if, if they think that these agreements have to be done before the elections, I think the elections would have to be postponed, pushed uh, even, even farther. But there may not be constitutional grounds for it unless there is an amendment to the constitution. Um, so, so essentially, uh, this is, the, to, to summarize the point I'm making, if the elections are going to happen as planned, then we'll need to ag- at least agree on the fundamentals of how and the negotiations post-election would occur. Uh, that's important. If we want to do the negotiation before the elections, uh, postponement of the elections would be would be critical. Um, but in any case, I think a level of trust among the opposition forces would be critical. 
and 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 that partly could mean that um, some of the uh, the individuals that are in jail uh, would have would have would have would have to be released or pardoned um, if they if they are convicted, so that the negotiations uh, can can move from a sort of retributive uh, victor's uh, justice mentality into one that's more inclusive, uh, more sensitive to to the sustainable trajectory of the state. Thanks, Adam, for your time. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening. We will be back in two weeks with our next episode. If you want to find out more about Crisis Group or read our reports, go to our website, crisisgroup.org, or follow us on Twitter at Crisis Group. I'm Alan Boswell, and this episode was produced by Maeve Francis.